evening. It's Michael James Lauren with the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. We have another great guest, and if you have difficulty with money and managing money, you're going to want to stick around. Chuck Bentley is the CEO of Crown Financial Ministries and the host of the national My Money Life radio broadcast. He's also the executive producer of God Provides Film Learning Experience. So welcome to the program, Chuck. Michael, thanks for having me tonight. It's an honor to be on your program. I noticed that you've interviewed some terrific guests, and I'm uh, humbled to be included in your lineup. Well, we are certainly excited to have you on the program. It's an honor for us because you've helped so many Christians with uh, the ministry of saving money and handling their finances in a way that honors God. And before I begin, I thought I'd just ask uh, if it's okay if I borrow $100. Just kidding. (laughs) Uh, you talk a lot about uh, getting your kids to say no, that it's okay that uh, they say no to things. And most likely kids want what they want. I know adults want that way too. And the hardest thing for a Christian, even for money, is to say no as far as controlling oneself. Uh, how do you feel about all that? That's a great uh, line of reasoning. I was uh not prepared for that question, as your listeners probably realize, but uh, I, I didn't say no because I didn't want to come across as having no compassion for you. Uh, the Bible, the Bible doesn't actually condemn. In fact, it says that you know we should be a lender, but we should not be a borrower. So debt is not bad. In fact, it actually can be a very good thing to lend money and help other people. Uh, but in regard to where you're going, Michael, I think it's a great idea to learn to have self-control. And uh, Larry Burkett, who founded this ministry, used to say that the ability to save money, the ability to live on a budget, the ability to live beneath your means and to make financial progress is a fruit of the Spirit. And what he meant by that is that uh, the fruit of the Spirit involves self-control. And if we're abiding in Christ and we're trusting in God, then we can exercise self-control over our financial choices. And learning to say no is a big one. That's a very good point. I want to ask you something. You know, How did you get involved with all this? Because I can't imagine that you always were good with money, or maybe you were. I don't know. Tell us how you got involved with the principles of Crown Financial Ministries and how that became a part of your life. I made a lot of financial mistakes. In fact, most people would be surprised to learn that I sort of came through the back door of being raised up by the Lord to teach uh, people how to manage money. Uh, The Lord took me through a time in my life where I was very greedy, I was very driven and ambitious, and I'd actually placed my identity in money, and I thought the more that I made, the more successful that I became, the more satisfied I would be. And so it, it was something I got caught up in, and I made many, many mistakes that I think grieved the heart of the Lord. I was not generous. Although a Bible-believing, professing Christian, uh, I gave uh, the national average, which was only about 2.6% of my annual income. But my wife knew I had a problem, and she was praying for me and and was hoping that uh, the Lord would reach me and open my eyes to change the way I thought about money. I actually had this dilemma where I was pretty good managing it, but my belief system and my attitudes and values and priorities and philosophies were all wrong. So God answered her prayer when I stepped into a Crown Bible study in my home church back in 1999, so about 16 years ago. And God used that study to radically change my mind, uh, to transform my mind and my heart. And through that, it changed the way I managed money. And I had no idea that one day the Lord would 
give me the opportunity to lead this ministry, Michael. That's a wonderful story. You know, a lot of people can fake it, Chuck, when it comes to other areas in life, pretty much any area, except for money. And uh, there's a lot of shame out there, it seems, for people who are just really silently hurting here, and they know that they're sinking. So uh, how do you address something like that? Well, you're quoting almost verbatim from a recent article in The Atlantic magazine written by a top journalist who said that there's a silent shame in America among people who are in the middle class and they're they're not managing their finances well. And so they tend to hide, they tend to uh, live in denial, and in fact, uh, their outward appearances look good. They look like they're doing well with money, but in, in effect, they have no margin and they're living on a financial cliff and they feel ashamed of this. And when you bring your uh, finances before the Lord, and you start to understand God's mercy and grace and the fact that he created us to be his steward. And we let go of that identity of how much I have or how well I'm doing with it. In fact, we let go of the whole idea of financial success. I think that's one of the areas where people feel so much bondage is the world has a definition of financial success of which if we're measuring up to it, we develop pride. And if we're not measuring up to it, we develop shame and so it becomes something that we, we try to hide and keep to ourselves. And when we realize that we're not owners at all, that God owns everything, and that we're simply here for a temporary time to manage the resources that God has entrusted to us, then I found it was, it was freeing for me. It, 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 I escaped that trap of having my identity in money and I put my full identity in Christ and found joy in letting go of that. And it gave me a renewed enthusiasm for listening to what God had to say about money instead of trying to meet up to the world's expectations. And you know what's interesting? A lot of times pastors are actually very tame when it comes to the subject of money, almost apologetic to actually ask, or they're not sure how to ask for money. And so how would you, uh, well, what would you say to pastors about that? I like to talk to pastors about this subject because I think it's an area where we need to be bold and we've been coward in a lot of ways. Charles Spurgeon uh, was involved in many things in, in, uh, as a pastor. He had an inner city and urban mission where he helped children. He helped uh, raise money for meals for the poor. and He was uh, sometimes found it exhausting, but at one point in his life, a group of pastors went together, took up a collection for Dr. Spurgeon, and presented him with money to fund his ministry. And it was a huge amount of money taken up from all these different churches of which he was not affiliated with. They just appreciated his tireless service for the kingdom. And in that speech, and I've read the notes of that speech, the, the people who were there said it was a day that Dr. Spurgeon was speechless, almost, which was unusual for a man of such eloquence and such uh, prolific writings and teachings. But when he spoke, he said, brothers and sisters, I stand before you as a man who has no need. God has supplied all my needs, but I am greedy on behalf of the kingdom of God. And he put those two words together that typically you can't put together in a sermon, greed and the kingdom of God, because what he was saying is that the world is greedy for everything we have. And he believes as pastors and as church leaders, as, as people who are representing a different kingdom, we should be greedy, not for ourselves, but for people to invest in the kingdom of God. And we're doing them a favor by being bold about that call to invest in God's kingdom with our utmost capacity. 
You know what makes me sad? I go by a lot of these churches that where the shingles are kind of loose and, and they even look like they're ready to close. And you wonder, you know, there's so many resources. If we all put our resources together, like in the book of Acts, you think that the church could be so powerful when it comes to money. And a lot of these churches are not very well funded. So um, how does your heart go out to that? And how, how can we change the, the kind of attitudes that we have about giving? Absolutely, Michael. There's a lot into that question. I, I, I'm trying to figure out which track I would want to go down. It's such a rich question. But the kingdom of God is made up of the greatest mutual fund in the world. In other words, God has redeemed and, and transformed doctors and lawyers and scientists and artists and athletes and uh, you know business people and, and educators in every field and every sector God has redeemed and called people unto himself, and they all have a variety of ways of making income. And so the pastor is shepherding a group of people with just this incredible amount of diversity in the way that their needs are supplied. And this is true all over the world. It doesn't matter where we go to teach this. We see that God has, inside his kingdom already, blessed his people with a tremendous amount of resources. And if we manage that well, and alluding to Acts chapter 4, as you did, when the, the saints, as they were converted in the first century church, said, we consider none of this our own. You know, this belongs to the one who redeemed us. And they joyfully were, were giving and, and supporting the church and it's because of that generosity that you and I are recipients of the gospel today. They carried it forward. Some had a lot and some had a little. But God pointed out both of them, whether it was Barnabas selling property or it was the widow putting in her two mites. He pointed out both of them for being generous and investing in the kingdom. You know, it's amazing. There are only two um, financial ministries that I could think of that have been around for a long time. And Crown Financial Ministries has been around for how long? We're now 40 years old, Michael. Okay, 40 years you've been doing this. And I imagine that, you know, it's difficult because you're doing such a great thing for all across the globe when it comes to how Christians manage money properly in a way that honors God. At the same time, you're kind of competing in a way or the antithesis of the prosperity gospel. So have you ever gotten people out of the prosperity gospel and in alignment with the principles of Crown Financial Ministries? Yes, we have. That's a very, very astute question, Michael. And uh, one that we handle with care. We we like to say that there are two extreme teachings in the Scripture about finances. One extreme is the prosperity gospel, which says that I can demand of God to, of wealth and riches and uh, material things, and He's obligated to provide it for me because I'm in His family. It also says that I'm more righteous by the amount that I have, that I have a greater standing in the eyes of God because He's showered material things upon me. We say that's an extreme teaching and cannot be supported by the Scripture. And then we turn around and say the other extreme is the poverty gospel. And the poverty gospel is the inversion of that, that all material things are evil and bad, and that by denying myself of all material things, I'm more righteous in God's eyes, and I have His favor. Now, I've encountered both of those extremes in many different places around the world. And after I get through uh, supporting the fact they, they cannot be biblically or doctrinally, theologically uh, sound, that they are unsound doctrine, then they want to know, well, what's left? You know, what is, what is it that can be, uh, we can do to follow God's teaching? And we say it's the, 
the theology of stewardship. And that's that you're responsible for what God has already provided for you, whether it's a lot or a little. You're not more righteous because of your things. You're more righteous in God's eyes only because of your uh, adoption as his son, because of the righteousness of Christ. And once you have that straight, then you can take joy in managing whatever God has given you. And it's a message of liberation. And to your point, we have seen people leave the prosperity gospel and become responsible with what they have. And we've seen people leave the poverty gospel and become responsible with whatever they have. You know, Chuck, a lot of us just go to work and go through the motions of work, and you're really um, doing something that's so important to so many people. At least you get to enjoy your work. And you ever wonder the full impact of what God is doing in the world when it comes to Crown Financial Ministries? And give us a glimpse, too, of what God is doing, and, and also just some of the testimonies that you get to see. Are you ever amazed at what God has done? I'm always amazed at what God has done, Michael. And I I feel like I have the joy of sitting on the front row of the Great Commission. And I get to see what God's doing all over the world. We operate in 104 countries around the world. I've had the privilege of visiting 52 of those countries. And so I see what God is doing. I've been inside of China where our materials are are extremely effective and growing rapidly and been to build the local church. We broadcast our message uh, through satellite means into many closed countries of the world. And I will get uh, letters, the ministry will get letters of the impact of that reach. Uh, we have people who uh, wrote me, and we, I received a letter just today that said, uh, years ago we bought a workbook from Crown. I credit that workbook with putting our family on the right financial track, saving our marriage, and blessing the, our entire lives. And so, yes, we get to harvest a lot of great testimonies that keep us encouraged, but it also keeps us aware that it's God doing the transformation. We never want to put crown in his role. Uh, we are not the transformers. We are not uh, the people making the difference in the world. We're just his agents. I had an African pastor uh, pray for me one day before I got up to teach in his church, and he said, Lord, use this donkey, use this donkey. And I I wasn't sure why he was calling me that. And he went on to say, uh, you know, ride in on the back of this donkey today, Lord, bring your glory into our church. And may the people shout uh, Hosanna to the Lord on the back of this donkey. And it was such a good picture. You know, I I received that in the spirit of how he was saying it, that we're simply God's servants. You know, this is just a thought, but it does come to my mind you don't see or hear that many songs about money. Uh, there's just only a few in church, but you think there should be more? You know, that's a. I like that question, Michael. In fact, I've had people come and say, Chuck, you need to inspire or sponsor Christian musicians to write about the issues uh, around finances, because it's such a major issue in our lives. Getting our relationship right with God and our relationship right with money is that message is woven from the beginning of Scripture through the end, and there are not a lot of songs written about it. And I think it's a, a real need, and maybe today through through our mutual efforts, God will put it on somebody's heart, and we'll get a song in the mail, brother. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think there's a songwriter in you, Chuck. I know there is. Well, I want to ask you a question here. You know, we we go to church, okay? We hear about the promises and the rewards in heaven, 
And I'm not so sure that we really have a glimpse of what it's really like. I mean, giving we know what money is like here in this world and, and how difficult it could be. But as far as opening up your heart and giving unto the Lord for his kingdom, what do you think it'll be like when we get to heaven and, and some of the rewards that uh, will be in heaven? Well, there's a lot of promises about that in Scripture, about how those are rewards that will return 30, 60, 100-fold. They won't be eaten up by the moths or corroded by rust. The thieves can't steal those rewards. And God actually puts those out there to encourage us to get our eyes off the temporary and to, and to think about making kingdom investments. And what will it be like? I think it's going to be unbelievably satisfying and overwhelming. I had an experience recently that's a long story, and I'll abbreviate it for you, but a man called me and told me about a person who just graduated from college named Sam, and Sam had been able to get through college on the scholarship that my friend had provided, and that was 50% of his tuition. He had graduated, and he was going on on to seminary, and he wanted to thank the, the man who provided the scholarship funds. And he asked Sam, how'd you pay the other part of the tuition? His father had died when he was five months old, and he seemed like an outstanding young man. And he said, well, uh, somebody provided a a gift when my father died, and over the years it grew and uh, able to cover all my tuition. And I said, well, that's so great. Why are you calling to tell me? And my friend said, well, Chuck, it was you and Ann. I said, what? He goes, it was you and Ann. Don't you remember? That's the young man that when his father died, his mother was working for your wife, and you and Ann made that original gift for his future education. And I said, I had no idea. I, I, I'd lost track of him. You know, he, he grew up. He went on to college. I had no communication with him. And I thought, what a reward. That little gift grew to supply the need for this young man. And then I thought about heaven, Michael, and will it be that we start to find out all those things that we'd forgotten about or never knew were going to happen when we made an investment in God's kingdom? I think that was a glimpse of what's to come. Amen. Well, we have some resources that we'd like to share with our audience, and as far as helpful, and I think that they'll enjoy, it's called The Worst Financial Mistakes in the Bible and How You Can Avoid Them. It's written by you, Chuck Bentley, from Crown Financial Ministries. The other, it's called Do Well, the Crown Biblical Financial Study Life Root Manual, and also the very popular Crown Money Map. So if you would just give us a brief summary and uh, maybe the inception of these uh, resources, and also how our audience can buy them. Well, thank you. They can find all those resources at crown.org. The book was written because I found myself tending to read all the success stories and the success principles in the scripture and wanting to emulate those, which there's nothing wrong with that. But I also noticed so many people made bad, bad, bad mistakes with money, and we tended to miss those stories. For instance, the prodigal son is a story of a man, young man who made a terrible mistake with money. And so I went through the Bible, found those stories, and wrote about sort of the hidden financial message in each one of them and how we can avoid those. And it's been very well received. It's written on the lines of a devotional-type study, and people really, really like that book. Uh, In regard to our financial studies, we have a whole host of them, the one that you mentioned, as well as a new one called the Money Life Personal Finance Study. People can order those materials and go through them in groups. They can go through them privately. They can go through them online. Uh, We've had 20 different countries have representatives go through online in our initial courses of those materials you mentioned. And then finally, the Crown Money Map 
is available for download online. We've distributed well over a million of those. It's a visual guide to help people know where to start and then where to make progress to the next step. Kind of removes the fog out of the picture of what do I do now? What do I do next? And uh, that's a very practical tool. I I got the idea for that, uh, trying to help my uh, children be prepared for adulthood. And uh, I had no idea that millions of people would one day use that all over the world. Chuck, you've been such a great blessing to us and the way that you've shared your heart with us and the stories and, and of course, uh, the wonderful ministry that you've had all these years with Crown Financial Ministries. Would you do us the honor and lead our audience in prayer? There's so many people who are sinking and uh, they can get almost a little desperate and in despair, but we want to be good stewards of the gospel. We want to be good stewards of money as the Lord has entrusted us with and brings glory to Christ. And we sure appreciate that if you would lead us in prayer. Yes, I will, Michael. Heavenly Father, we call upon you now because as we open the program, there are probably people who said they could identify with feeling financial shame, that they've made mistakes, they feel they're in bondage. There are single mothers who can identify with widowhood right now. There's those who their spouses left and they're extremely vulnerable. Lord, all those stories are real and they bring pain into our lives. And the enemy uses those to uh, destroy. He uses those times of uh, financial pain to tell us that we're failures to tell us that we'll never be good with money, to tell us lies that there is no hope, that I can't uh, ever get out of these circumstances, that they're impossible. And Lord, I want to pray for those who've listened tonight. I want to lift them up before you and pray that you will get truth into their hearts so that they can be liberated. They can be liberated from lies. They can be liberated from past hurt and harm and injury, past mistakes, Lord, where they need to go through a time of forgiveness, and then they need to forgive themselves for what foolishness they've been through. Lord, I want to admit and confess that I've been foolish. I've made terrible financial mistakes. I've probably made every one in the book that I wrote about the mistakes in the Bible. And yet, Lord, you redeem me by your great mercy and grace, and you'll redeem those who are listening right now. So, Lord, I pray you give them hope, and by your Holy Spirit, they'll not only have heard the message tonight, but they'll take action, that they'll move a step forward and put a, a step of faith out there to say, I want to learn something. I want to I want to invest in some of these resources. I want to find help from Crown. I want somebody to uh, lift me up out of the miry pit that I'm in. And Lord, will you do that tonight for those people who are listening, who are desperate, and they know who they are, and because your Holy Spirit is speaking to them. I pray this in Jesus' name, and I also thank you for Michael, who's been called into this ministry, who's been called to broadcast, to interview, and to use his skills and talents to get uh, your gospel out in a beautiful way through a variety of means. I pray your blessing upon him tonight as well and his family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And we once again thank you, Chuck Bentley, for being such a blessing to our audience. I'm sure that prayer will touch many people's lives. And uh, we once again want to thank you so much for being on the program. It's been my honor to be with you, Michael, and I thank you for what you're doing. We're all a part of the same body. We're all serving the same Father. I like to say there are no big Christians and there's no little Christians. We're all servants of the Most High. So I honor you for what you're doing, brother.